Welcome, everyone, to Season 3, Episode 117 of the Premiere Pod. I'm your host, Yashpika, joined by my co-host, Tyler Chan. And unfortunately, as we start this episode, sorry to all Manchester City fans, you guys have clinched the Premier League title. As you can tell, uh, with me being a Manchester United fan and Tyler being a Liverpool fan, it was a little sad to see them basically not run away with the title, but basically run away with the title and they finally clinched it they didn't win the the Chelsea game that if they would have won they would have clinched it they actually won it because United lost against Leicester yesterday which clinched the title for them but man I called a Manchester City winning the title at the beginning of the season if you go to the preseason predictions and yeah, I got it right. I'll just say that I I, I just thought it was going to be a revenge season for Pep and his squad and I think they they showed that throughout the entire season that they were the best team, uh, best team in England. Maybe that has to do with a little bit of that extra money they got going on, but you know, they take advantage of it. Pep is now won three Premier League trophies in the span of I think it's five seasons. Yeah, four five? seasons. I think. Actually. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy the amount of trophies he's won since being in England. But I think this win and a potential Champions League victory could solidify him as probably. Um, the best coach of this generation for right now, for sure. If he finally wins that Champions League this season, I mean, it, it might as well because yeah. he's on the potential to get like a treble, I believe. So, yeah, it's I really mean, him and Klopp are like neck and neck. But like this season has definitely like hurts Klopp's, even though he's done a lot in the recent years. This this past season has definitely put a little ding in the little resume of his the cv yeah liverpool got very unlucky with the injuries just throughout the season and for the number of injuries at one specific position yeah literally center backs <laughs> yeah literally threw away my prediction at the very end at the beginning of the season because i said liverpool were gonna win repeat yeah that that did not happen and i think i think after van dyke changed or got injured that's when i changed my opinion of who would win the the title but Anyways, but for the beginning, I still thought Liverpool can do it. But no, it'll be next season <laughs> at this point. We'll see. And also, I had a lot of doubts about the new transfers like Ruben Diaz. But he kind of, he literally proved me wrong. That one player that we roasted. Uh, he's been like the best defender in Europe almost. Yeah. This guy is and incredible. We'll, we'll do some team of the season kind of awards at the very end of the of the season, which is actually coming up in around yeah. two or three weeks. Pretty fast. So, <laughs> it's coming up fast. Yeah, we got to make our list of awards. <laughs> but, you know, I think Ruben Diaz is a sneak peek. He's going to be like one of the top players that I was going to mm-hmm. give an award to. Yeah. No, they, they've done really well. And then Phil Foden coming out of the ranks. I feel like this was the first season Phil Foden actually had a legit season behind him, like where he actually played a ton. And he um, showed why he is a very promising young talent and probably going to be one of England's best stars or biggest stars growing um, as the years go by. He turned up. Um, they actually, it was very interesting because I feel like they won this whole season without a legit number nine during during this whole season because Sergio Aguero has been out injured for majority of the season, and Gabriel Jesus is, you know, as we said, is Gabriel Jesus where it's like it's like fifty fifty. He's not a very clinical striker, and they won the league without a very clinical striker. Which you know, you could probably say Liverpool did the same thing last season with Bobby Firmino up top. Where they didn't have yeah. an out and out number nine, so maybe this is where this is where the Premier League's heading. Where you don't really need the out and out legit number nine; you just need good players all around you. But I don't know the the Man City team like Gundogan scoring sixteen goals. Like, come on! Like, how does that even happen? Uh, Kevin De Bruyne. I mean, they just had a perfect season when everyone else was having a really odd season because of coronavirus, and they just somehow somehow pulled out and uh, won. I don't get mm-hmm. it. And I think we kind of mentioned in one of the other podcasts before of uh, giving props to the medical staff of Man City because everyone's yeah. healthy despite yeah. this pandemic, despite the you know terrible scheduling of the Premier League here and there, and just kind of battling the schedules of Champions League as well, just on top of that FA Cup, yeah, all so those if, other cups. There was like no, I mean, I know Aguero was out for majority of the season, but it wasn't like it's not like they got hit with injury after injury after injury. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like there were other key players out for Man City, like Nathan Ake was out for a good part, De Bruyne here and there, but it wasn't a majority of the squad like most other teams even as well. So I think, you know, that also played a part in Pep doing that usual rotation where is never the same starting 11 every single game. 
the Even second the team league. starting 11. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's the kind of magic he has, though, the kind of lucky situation he's in where he actually has two starting 11 worth of players, <laughs> unlike most other teams. Yeah, Laporte is literally his backup center back. How does that make sense? How that makes, that make- <laughs> that's insane. What the heck? Oh, but, you know, there, there we go. Got to give props. Man City wins the title. Mm-hmm. And who knows if they're going to win the Champions League. It's looking pretty good because they don't really have as tough a schedule leading yeah, up to it. they can just chill out. Or as just chill. Yeah. They literally can't. So, they just literally can rest. But you never know. Maybe it's like if they rest too much, it's uh, it, it goes against them. And if they go too hard, maybe they might pick up an injury. So it's it's a weird it's a weird situation. But I, I, I have confidence in Pep that he probably knows the best way to uh, best way to go about this in terms of uh, balancing everything out, but you know, as we said before, you know, congrats to City. They they, they definitely deserved it this uh, this year. But what was interesting was in their game against Chelsea, where they actually lost two one, where they failed to clinch the title. Was the biggest point I would say was Aguero um, attempting a panenka in the Premier League and missing, and it was a terrible panenka because Tyler and I were talking about it off. Off the off the recording uh, before we started recording the episode, and yeah, it was just a terrible panenka. Like it was slow. It was uh, you could literally track the ball while it was in the air. I think Mendy literally dove for a little bit and was able to re- recollect himself and pick it up. And it was funny because Aguero had to issue an apology on Twitter, Twitter um, saying that he apologizes to all City fans, his teammates, and coaches and staff um, for making a bad decision. But it was a terrible penalty. <laughs> literally. Panenka's is something we were talking about, like as as you said offline, and it's like who who is allowed to do one? And I was saying, I was like, well, if you think about like the people who've done it before, it's usually like Andrea Pirlo. You can think of like Zidane, and it's usually like more of the veterans that are allowed to do it. I would say if you see like Adama Lookman do it for Fulham earlier earlier this season and miss, it just makes you look like a fool, especially in big pressure situations definitely never do it like if it's a knockout stage game or if it's like a game where you can potentially win the title then definitely don't attempt it just go for like you know the for sure upper 90 lower bottom right corner something like that but the panenka if you attempt it by the time you realize someone attempted it it should already have gone in if that makes sense like if if you can think it's like oh he did a panenka and then it hasn't gone in yet then there's a big chance that the keeper has dove and has gotten up and has enough time to like catch it by that point. Like it needs to be in within like a second or two by the time he kicks it. So, or he or she kicks it. So I think for this part, I think Aguero's run up, it didn't really cut, like mask too much of what the kind of kick was going to be. It didn't look like it's going to be like a rip. It didn't look like it's going to be too much of, one where it had to send Mendy to one of the corners. It was going to be more of like a placement kind of shot from what it looked like. But then based on that, I think Mendy just knew he didn't really have to go too far. And then he just kind of stood his ground a little bit. And when you saw that kind of ball just hover over to him, it's like, all right, kind of disrespect over here from Aguero. And that might have been his last penalty at Man City as a player. So for all he's done at Man City as at the penalty spot, that's how he ends the legacy (laughs) of Panenka. (laughs) They, they said at City that Ederson is per- apparently the best uh, penalty kick taker at the club, which is crazy when you think That's about it. That's wild. Yeah. It reminds me of that keeper. Um, I think his name was like Butt on Myron <laughs> Munich. Like he had like 90 penalties in like FIFA 12 or 11. Oh my God. And there's like another goalkeeper from Brazil that had like 92 free kick. That kind of reminds me of those kind of players, but. I don't know if Pep would ever let Ederson take the PK. Yeah, it's risky. Because the chance then- that <laughs> the keeper saves it and catches it. And then he has screwed. to just run. Yeah. Or like at least you have to commit, like get someone like a red card, like a permanent red card so that Ederson yeah. has enough time to run back. And I mean, like if you think about it, other people on the on the team take the penalties over Ederson too. Like Mares takes it. Uh, Gundogan's taking some. So, I mean... I think Ederson is probably more like a penalty shootout kind of situation. But I don't know. But for this, it was very Aguero-esque, I felt like. It didn't feel like a kind of more experienced kind of player type of move to do. And it gave literally Chelsea a way to get back into this game because it could have almost sealed it at one point like because it was already ahead. Yeah, no, they they would have gone 2-0 up and then, uh, you know what, Chelsea... Kept it close, and then they got the winner really late on by uh, um, 
Marcus Alonso, he scored the winner. But man, Tucho again, or Tuchel again, picking up the winner against Pep. This is now he beats him in the FA Cup and now beats him in the Premier League. It's now two wins going in to the Champions League, two wins against the uh, Pep Guardiola side of Manchester City. So Tuchel has got that mental mental advantage going into the, the Champions League. So I, I wanted to ask you, how much do you take, or what's more valuable? Do you think there's now more pressure on Tuchel to win the Champions League now? Because now that he's beaten Pep twice, or is Pep's side like, psycholo- like psycho- psychologically, I would say, a little bit scared of Chelsea because they're like, dang, I don't know. Like, we can't crack the puzzle. Like, we can't crack the code and beat this team. Like, who who has more pressure now? The team that's won twice in a row going for the third win against the same team or the team that has lost twice in a row looking to pick up just one victory? I would say this, this kind of leads to a question I actually wanted to ask you. But oh, okay. <laughs> it's like, do you, did this game this past weekend feel representative of what we're going to see in the Champions League final? And if I were to answer, I would say no, because I feel like the starting 11s for both teams are going to be way different for the Champions League final, because even there's some key players that did not play. Like, I believe uh, Kevin De Bruyne didn't start. And then for Chelsea, it was literally just like a makeshift defense. I was just like, what? (laughs) Like, I don't think Christensen is going to play in the Champions League final. And I think there's going to be a combination of Kai Havertz, Werner and Pulisic starting in the Champions League final. So I think, you know, just little things like that. And for you know, even Man City too, you saw like players instead of like Zinchenko, I think it was Mendy playing. And I was like, yeah. uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> so I think they're playing their cards really close to their chess, which is what we're kind of anticipating could happen. And, you know, based on that, I think it was really hard to tell tactically if this was even going to be the same setup for the final, I think they literally just played two different starting 11s just to kind of throw off the other managers, just to not really give away too many secrets. And then like the final itself will be a whole other variable because like, there is a different yeah. kind of pressure to that. Like Man City don't mm-hmm. really have a pressure going into this game in the Premier League because they already got the title basically wrapped up. Chelsea, they had some pressure because they had to win to make sure they can get top four. And like that was really the only thing. But besides that, once you're in that Champions League final, you're going for the title of best European club of that season. That's basically what it is, Champions League final. And basically in the European realm, the best team in in Europe is basically like the best team in the world. Yeah. So you're kind of getting that title (laughs) of best team in the world, (laughs) low key, if you win the Champions League. No, I, so. I, I actually, you know, I, I, I guess from my perspective, I think that there is more pressure on Chelsea going into the Champions League final because I guess in American sports, when it comes to American football, you know, in college football and such, the, the one thing they say is that it's always hard to beat, a, beat the same team twice. And mm-hmm. for Chelsea, they did do that with obviously a weekend squad from both sides. But now you have to beat the same team three times in a row in a matter of, I would say, month and a half. That's a lot of pressure because now you, if you're Tuchel, do you stick with the same game plan or do you overthink it and maybe try to mix things up a little bit more because you're like, ah, maybe Pep might change some things. Maybe I have to change some things. So because of that, I actually think that this result, while it was good for Chelsea to win, I think it actually puts more pressure on them, especially Tuchel, I would say, to get things right because also, Tuchel made it to the Champions League final last year with PSG and lost against Bayern. So he also has that type of um, that scarring in his head too, where it's like, dang, I got to the final last year and I lost against Bayern. And now I'm back here again, even though I've beaten this manager twice in a row. I don't know. I, I feel like there's more pressure on Chelsea now. So I, I think Man City may have like the upper advantage um, going into the Champions League final because it's, it's hard to beat the same team three times in one season. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm going to answer your question, too, because I never <laughs> answered it. I just brought up my own <laughs> answer, my own question. But for that, I would say, yes, I, I agree that Chelsea also has a little bit more pressure just because of Tuchel, because we thought they're going to be in a slight rebuild mode this season. Yeah, because Frank Lampard was at the helm. He's a lot more of a you know kind of nurturing kind of manager, not really win now kind of situation. He brought in a lot more youth players with Kai Havertz, you know, bring in Pulisic up. And getting more impact on there. And then Timo Werner, he's kind of almost in his prime. But, you know, there's still some there's still some room for growth. And it's still like their first season playing together, which is insane. 
Imagine they're too cool for the whole season. They could have probably been like title challengers. Crazy. Potentially, yeah, but yeah. I don't know. It, you know, that new manager boost, it's, that, it's a Chelsea thing. So maybe <laughs> they, he came in at the right time. But I will say there is some pressure at Pep because this is a competition that yeah. Man City just can't win. Even under yeah. like Roberto Mancini, like this is literally something that Pep was brought in to win from the you know Saudi Arabian owners, like the Middle Eastern owners. Yeah. And, and this is also a competition Pep has uh, failed to win since he left Barcelona. Exactly. It's like, can he win without Messi? He couldn't do it at Bayern Munich, and he's struggled to even get past the quarterfinals with Man City. But now this season, with no fans in the crowd yelling at him, or the two fans you know helping him on <laughs> for Man City, <laughs> I think this is the season to do it for him. So even that, like that little bit of pressure has been taken away just of the crowd itself, and the rent boys aren't there just to like hurl insults at him there too. So I think it will definitely help Man City in their case, and also. Once again, they don't really have too many injuries. Like right now, they basically have like a full fit squad. Like yeah. even Ake's back, Aguero's back, and Kevin De Bruyne is still good, still kicking and rocking. So, and Phil Foden's on fire. You know, Ruben Diaz is like the best defender in the league right now. Literally, everything is stacked on Man City to win. They're literally the Goliath in the situation, while Chelsea are kind of more like the David. And that has its own pressure too. Is like, can you win what you're expected to win? And I think they will. So like a little early prediction, but I think there's a long winded way of me saying, yeah, Chelsea definitely have more pressure because Tuchel okay. can get fired any time yeah. at this point, knowing yeah. Chelsea. But Pep has that new contract too, so he's for sure going to be there. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm going with Chelsea has more pressure. Tyler's also saying Chelsea will have the the most pressure heading into the final. So we'll see. It's 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 going to be very very interesting. But uh, moving on to a team that has is facing a lot of pressure, but kind of sort of did a little bit uh, advantage for themselves or did a little of a, a good thing for themselves is um, Leicester City. They lost to Newcastle 4-2, to two, but they beat a, uh, I would say, a Team B, Manchester United, basically an all-backup team, um, Manchester United side, 2-1 to one at Old Trafford. And as you see from Tyler's face, it is a... It, that that result was terrible for Liverpool because Liverpool needed Leicester to drop some points. So they have a better chance of finishing in the top four. But Leicester, I was uh, very critical of them after that Newcastle game because they looked awful. And to be honest, I'm just going to put this out there: if Manchester United had a full starting, strong starting eleven, their full str- full strength eleven, I think they probably beat Leicester in this game because Leicester, for the most part, did not look very confident in this game. They looked very very shaky, and I would say. Um, yeah, lacking confidence. And I think if Manchester United had the starting 11 that they normally do, I think they probably would have beat Leicester. So I think just because Leicester won this game, it's going to be really, really nervy for the next couple games. The next, I think, what, three more games they have left in the season? Um, it's going to be really nervy for Leicester City. And I don't don't count them a lock for the top four just yet because I think something like a twist could definitely happen because I'm just not too confident about Leicester right now. I always say under Brendan Rodgers, at the very end of the season, they <laughs> fall apart. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, against that Newcastle side, they're falling apart. I believe at one point, they're like... They were losing down. 4-0, yeah. Then it was yeah, Ian Acho, yeah. right? He scored a brace, I think, or he scored at least once. Yeah. At that point, I was just like, whatever. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> please. Just like New- Newcastle just going ham still. And then Leicester is just falling apart as usual. But against Man U, I was very annoyed when I saw that starting 11 for Manchester United. And I was like, how were they allowed to do this? They put a whole B team for the starting 11. You know, De Gea <laughs> is technically B team at this point. Yeah. And I saw our boy, Donny van de Beek, he was in. Mason Greenwood. Who was the dude on the left? Who's yeah, left? He was a youth uh, youth winger. He played pretty well. Um, I'm, the name is escaping me. Elenga? Yeah, Elenga. And then yeah. on the other side, yeah. Ahmad Diallo. Like literally, and then Juan Mata from the grave. <laughs> I'm like, what is this starting and 11? Matic, what the heck? Matic they had, Mata. Exactly. I was like, olds. hold up. Don't y'all have Cavani, Rashford? Like, where are they? <laughs> no, not even a Bruno Fernandez in the starting 11. And even the back, Brandon Williams back, playing right back. Yeah. I was like, what? This is unfair. <laughs> this, is, this is some cheese. This is straight up. I thought we're not allowed to put a weekend side in the Premier League. But here we go. We, <laughs> hey, we have I think, this. I think they were, their, their hand was forced, though, having like a back to like they literally, this game was 
24 or 48 hours after their previous one, they they had no choice. They had no choice. Some, some load management right here is what I saw. <laughs> <laughs> Lester saw this 11 and was like, all right, we have a chance. They played really nervous in the first half and it was still pretty even. But by the second half, Lester looked like they just wanted it more. And after they got the second goal, they just set up shop. Literally, Humza Chowdhury came on. He just showed the signs like 5-4-1. That was the formation. I was yeah. like, all right, we're... It's going to be an L right here for Man U. What the heck? It was, there was some hope after, you know, United got that goal from Mason Greenwood. And I was like, all right, maybe they can drop some points here. But then after the second goal from Leicester, I was like, all right, Liverpool have a lot because at this point, Liverpool, they can only get 69 points total at the end of the season if they win out all the rest of their four games. Leicester right now, 60, I believe 66 points of two games on hand. Yeah. Or two games left in the Premier League. So they can yeah. basically just win one, have a better goal difference, or just, you know, yeah, basically just have to win when they're, they're basically good to go. Mm-hmm. But if there's any instance where Leicester just lose the rest of the season, like Liverpool still have a shot, but it's not looking too likely. It's not looking too likely. Yeah. But Leicester, they do have the FA Cup final upcoming this, this weekend. And they were really hyped winning this game against Manchester United. You saw Brandon Rodgers running out there, giving everyone hugs, giving that high five. So Yunchu getting the a goal of all people. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. So they're really fired up going into this final. They have a lot of momentum and they have a lot of hope staying top four now, which is going to give them Champions League, which is insane. But I don't know. There's still a good bit of football to be played for the season, like two games and it being this close, it's a lot of pressure in Liverpool, but at the same time, Leicester, they now have the destiny in their hands. Yeah. They literally have what it takes to just not suck and then just get champions league. All they have to do is just not mess up, (laughs) which is a lot, but like, that's all they have to really do. Yeah. Oh, I I don't know if they could do it. (laughs) I I really don't know if they could do it because they've just shown that they're just very, very young and they make a lot of silly errors, especially when the nerves get to them and they have a manager who's historically not been good with dealing with the nerves. So I don't know. I just don't think that uh, I can trust them to hold it out, even though they do have a very, very good. They're in a very advantageous spot right now. I just don't. I don't. I don't believe in them. I don't believe in them. I wish I had that kind of optimism against <laughs> Lester's potential downfall, but I don't know. Right now, that that kind of some that's some momentum builders right there. And for Man U, that I felt like was also very tactical because I'm like, if yeah. Man U lose, then they know Liverpool are going to struggle getting that top four. <laughs> I was like, that's very clever from Ole. Yeah, very I think clever. A lot of people were saying Ole that was like a, a masterclass from Ole to like throw this game away to have the Liverpool game at full strength, but to basically cement Liverpool in at least Europa League or something like that. Yeah. Because <laughs> <gasps> it also plays a big part in keeping the squad too. Because like, you know, there's going to be ambitious players on that team thinking it's like, I'm not playing Europa League for one of my seasons in my prime. What the heck? Or <laughs> if someone else is trying to come into the team. Hey, you never like, know. Juventus, Juventus look like they're going to be in Europa League. So you might have to face uh, Ronaldo in the Europa League. That's insane. <laughs> Can't believe Juventus at this point. That was like a meme I saw on on Twitter. Can you imagine like, Ronaldo going to like Slavia Prague? <laughs> you imagine them going to Quer like Karabag, whatever the one in like Azerbaijan, like those random ones just out in the middle of nowhere. Oh man, or, uh, in like those like dirt patches that they. <laughs> what was the one? That, yeah, Ludo Goretz. Oh my goodness! <laughs> You're gonna see Ronaldo just making another Puma commercial. Like Ozil did against the whole Little Gretz team when he just juked the entire team. Exactly. With three moves. But I don't know. I saw like a meme on Twitter of just <laughs> it was a round of 32 next year, hopefully, like Ronaldo versus Salah. I'm like, geez, it's actually going to happen. <laughs> oh my goodness. I can't believe it. Well, we're, oh. we're here. We're here for it. We're here for the memes that will come out of it. But. Yeah, Leicester, they they picked up an important win. But I will say for Manchester United, a big news that came out of them was Edison Cavani deciding to extend his contract to stay for another year at Manchester United. This is huge news because he has already scored 15 goals in all competitions uh, for United, which is big because at his age, I believe he's 32 or 33. Um, I think he's like 34. Four thirty-five, actually. Yeah, at I his age to be, you know, getting close to twenty goals for across all competitions—that's 
really incredible. He's provided a very, very, very good spark for United. And the good thing about him is that out of all our strikers at United, he's a very, very like, he's the clear out in front number nine at Manchester United. He can hold up the ball. He's like brilliant when it scores the coming headers. He's got great technical ability. Um, he's just a good, from what I've heard, he's a very good trainer. Like he's a, he trains really hard. He's a good locker room person. So it's huge news to have this, uh, have an extension of, of his, a player of his quality to extend his contract because now United can target um, the other areas such as a right winger and a getting a central defensive midfielder. Now there's no pressure to really figure out what they're going to do in the striking department because now they have Cavani, they have Martial, then they have Greenwood. So it was huge news. I was really excited that they that they finally announced the uh, Cavani deal. Um, and I'm glad the signing has worked out because I remember when we we signed him, a lot of people were like, man, this is a, this is a straight up panic buy. Like this guy might just be injured the entire season. I'm glad it worked out. I'm very, very happy that it worked out. Yeah. And I mean, back in the days when he was at Napoli, he was one of the top goal scorers in the whole league. Yeah. And he was one of the top strikers in the world. But yeah, still kicking at at 34 years old. I just double checked. And that's old, man. That is so old. I can't believe he's actually doing this well at that age. Yeah, he's pretty much like Messi, Messi, Ronaldo age, like still doing it at that that age. It's crazy. He's still looking more like a younger 30 year old man (laughs) when he's when I see him play. Yeah, he's one of the players that I kind of wish Liverpool kind of had on their team. Yeah, that's just someone a pure striker off the bench. Yeah, like a pure striker or at least maybe start a game every here and there and for sure get a goal. Yeah. And for sure have a like strikers mentality. Get that diving header goal. Yeah. He he is a volley. Yeah, exactly. And he has, because at his age, he's not uh, he's not going to be playing week in and week out every single game, 90 minutes back to back to back. But I will say that his fitness has definitely gotten a lot better throughout the season because now um, he's starting to start a little bit more games, but he's also been able to come off the bench more consistently and been that impact, uh, impact player um, off the bench because, um, as I said before, he, as a striker, does more than Martial, um, does as a striker. He's just a very different type of striker, but he is such a, he, he's so different because his traits are just his, his striking instincts, just the way he can finesse shots, but also use his header, like use his head. Uh, his like heading ability is far beyond and way better than Martial's or Greenwood's and Rashford's. So I think all of our forwards can really benefit from having another year of uh, Cavani under the, under the rain. Um, but it's a big news. It's a big, big news. And I was super excited that they finally secured the deal for Cavani. Um, so I'm excited. Hopefully he'll be able to play in front of the old Trafford crowd sooner or later. Hopefully. That's like your best number seven y'all had in like a decade. I I'll know. Say that too. He, I think he, I think there was a stat. He's the first num- first United player since Ronaldo to wear the number seven to score double digit goals in a season since Ronaldo left. That's insane. That's literally more than a decade. <laughs> yeah, that's like Michael Owen. Literally, Michael Owen, Antonio Valencia, Memphis, Angel Di Maria. Who came after Di Maria? Who had number seven after him? Actually, I think after. I think after Memphis, I don't think anyone else had the number seven. Oh, Alexis! How could Alexis, I forget yeah, Alexis Sanchez? Like, how could I forget of the Sanchez? Yeah, <laughs> literally, it's actually insane. That that stat when I when I heard it, it was like the first player to score double digit goals in a season since Ronaldo left to wear the number seven shirt. That's insane. Mm-hmm. He's broke the number seven curse, which is awesome. And he's South American and did it too. Yeah. It was another. Like, yeah. That was, I mean, it was actually crazy because the last South American that had a Sanchez, he flopped completely. Mm-hmm. So it was like, man, is this number cursed? And his Cavani's like, nope. Yep. <laughs> just came in, did, did the did the work and was just uh, able to perform. So I'm super excited. I um, He's played a really important part of the squad. So uh, big news for United on their front. But yeah. Uh, a couple other of the big uh, big news was Liverpool beating Southampton. They beat them 2-0. As we mentioned, that their, I guess, chances of getting in the top four um, is getting a little bit more difficult, I would say. But they did get some hope that um, in the big game that happened today, actually, was Arsenal beating Chelsea uh, 1-0, um, I believe, at Stamford Bridge. Um, mm-hmm. That was a big result because now Liverpool maybe have a puncher's or a fighting chance of uh, getting into the top four. But a, a big one that came out of that Southampton game was Mane scoring a goal. But there was this stat from Opta Joe that I just thought, you know, we don't read a bunch of stats, but I thought this one was super interesting. This was the first um, goal that Salah and Mane have con- have combined in the Premier League or in the entire season this year that Salah and Mane have combined for a goal. That's actually insane. That's actually insane when you think about Salah and Mane have been like the cornerstones or the corner 
cornerstone pieces for Klopp's Liverpool of scoring goals, assisting goals, creating chances. It's actually mad that this is the first time they combined for a goal this season. That, yeah, it doesn't really surprise me, though, at the same time, <laughs> because we haven't really scored too many. But it, it really did remind me of like the time when we used to see Neymar, Messi, and Suarez all on the same team. Mm-hmm. And there's one stat line that I saw where it's, it had like a little triangle of like assists of Neymar to Suarez and Messi and like goals of Messi from Suarez. Oh, and yeah. Neymar. I, I like, think I remember like seeing those. Yeah. And I forgot who it was, but there's like one person on that trio that just never got an assist from like one of the other two. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> it was really bizarre. But that's basically how it is for this season, except it's all three of them together for Mino, <laughs> Mane, and Salah. Just all three is like no assist to either of them because like no one's scoring except for Salah. But literally, it's uh, it was a big kind of boost for Liverpool because, you know, Southampton at the beginning of this year, it was it was that infamous Southampton way to put Hassan Hoodle on his knees in, in tears. tears. <laughs> he literally sacrificed his soul to get Southampton that win. That's why he and was crying. That's why he was yeah, crying. he was crying. He sold his soul. He was like, Gamora, I'm sorry. And then... Since then, they've gotten five points total. That's in awful. the Premier League. That was like since January. That's awful. That's insane. They literally have only gotten five points. If they didn't go ham at the beginning of the first half of the season, they'd definitely be relegated right now because five points is atrocious. That's literally harder to do. It's harder to get five points over five months than it is to get more than five points over five months. It's ridiculous. Like you can win by accident at that point and get more than five points. <laughs> Like, what are they doing? <laughs> so, I mean, since then, I feel like Liverpool got the last laugh. But that was just some some pure revenge right there. But also had some storylines in it, too, where we saw Reese Williams, the center back, the youth player from Liverpool, start over Kabak. And that's yeah. starting to give some indication for whether or not Liverpool are going to bring him back. And it doesn't look like it. <laughs> I mean, it'll really... <laughs> it'll probably show more when... Liverpool put out the starting 11 for tomorrow against Manchester United. Yeah. Like right now we're recording on the Wednesday prior to the game, but or of the rematch yeah. or reschedule of that game. But yeah, yeah. I think now, said the slowest defender on the planet or the like the, the least agile defender on the planet. Yes. Kabak is slow motion, but unfortunately Reese Williams, he's also kind of slow motion, but he's a lot bigger. <laughs> he has the physical traits, but it's just like if you thought of Kyle Pitts, but except what you think Kyle Pitts should be, in terms of physic, in terms of agility, where it's just like, um, like a cinder block of just moving slow motion, and that's who <laughs> Reese Williams is too. So they're kind of like peas in a pot, except you already have Reese Williams and you don't have Kabak officially. So that's probably why they're gonna chuck Kabak. Yeah, the, and I also I think Thiago scored his first Liverpool goal, right? Yes, he actually yeah. did. He kind of made like a slaloming run, and then he he placed he, it perfectly bottom right. He corner. gave the keeper the eyes at the shot. He did give him the eyes. And he kind of just passed it in, kind of like mm-hmm. Cruz scoring a goal. But yeah. everyone got hyped. Like the entire team like circled around him like as if he was like one of those, you know, when you're on the rec Youth. team and he's like that one guy who never scores, finally scores. Yeah. Except this is Tiago. I'm like, hold up. It's <laughs> like when you saw Werner score for Chelsea. It's like, isn't he the striker? Yeah. Like, <laughs> isn't he down. like the star, like 50 million pound strikers? Like what's happening? Yeah. And for Tiago as well, he finally scores his first goal. At the last month of the, of the you know season, granted he was out for a lot of it, but I mean even then, he should have got something by now. Yeah, but, I mean you know he finally break the dock, you know reset for next season. Maybe he'll do better then. But man, I was thinking it was like about time. Like I'm happy for him, but also at the same time I'm like, man, you're Tiago. <laughs> <laughs> the heck, you should be scoring goals. <laughs> you should be scoring goals. You should be also be getting more assists. Yeah. But no, that, that's I guess, I guess that sums up Liverpool's season where Mane scores like a very rare goal on um, this season, and then Thiago scores his first goal of the Premier League season, literally three games before the season ends. That yes. I guess that sums up Liverpool this year. My gosh. They better <laughs> find those same shooting boots. Just don't take them off for that game against United tomorrow because apparently United is not going to put that B team out again. Yeah, probably you know, not. Most for sure not. 20 bucks to for them to do it again. <laughs> Put out the C team if they want. But oh, gosh man. dang. But yeah, it was a it, it was a very I mean those like like I said before, those two stats basically summarizes Liverpool's um season this whole year. And then Arsenal 
picking up back-to-back wins, first against West Brom and then against Chelsea, those two wins summarize Arsenal's season because in the West Brom game, you saw Nicola Pepe scoring an absolute banger and then you saw Willian scoring his first goal for Arsenal with a free kick. And <laughs> it was so funny because someone made a joke who was like the Arsenal social media manager um, like panicking after they deleted the Willian scoring gif off his computer to save space on a hard drive. And then he scores. And then it was so funny because when they posted the gif, uh, all the replies were like, man, you guys have been waiting all year for this one. <laughs> oh, like, this is so savage. An but man, Willian, Willian scored his first goal for Arsenal. That was crazy. <laughs> oh my gosh. And then Pepe scores literally like a FIFA incredible Banger. like finesse shot from outside the box. That was insane. And then he goes to the camera and says whatever, but he made it seem like he just scored in a final. No, he just scored against West Brom to send him into relegation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I guess he's just, whoever the West Brom rival is, whatever team is in the Midlands, he's probably maybe a fan of them. <laughs> he's like, yes, I sent the rival back down to the championship. I know a lot of Arsenal fans were upset with uh, Willie and they're like, finally, this like useless guy finally does something. <laughs> he decides to show up now. <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness. It, it was just so funny because it was um, the, like Willie and Pepe, like the two players like Arsenal fans like criticized the most, I feel like the most this season, um, like scored two goals and they're like, man, now finally they decide to show up when the games don't matter. <laughs> I mean, they actually still do have a you know, a long shot of a chance to still get yeah, some Europa League. League. Yeah, but it's, it's win long. out. It's a very long shot. It also requires a lot of teams above them like Tottenham, West Ham, Liverpool to drop points as well. And Everton, especially. So they still have a shot, but it's it's really far out. It's it, like this Chelsea one was very unexpected today because Jorginho, the secret Arsenal fan, almost scored an own goal. Or maybe he's like Wessel, uh, like Russell Westbrook, just wants that like some of the history books because if he scored that own goal today yeah, thousandth own goal in Premier League history yes that like that was a thing to remember but Kepa just ruined everything for him and then just saved it and then they still scored <laughs> Arsenal still scored the one goal of the game right after that sequence of play so it was for nothing but either way I think Arsenal they're keeping the season interesting they couldn't get into that Europa League final <laughs> they goofed and now they're like, you know what? We'll, we'll see if we can try again for next season by hopefully getting in. I don't know. Do you think they still have a chance of getting that Europa? Do you think they're going to pull it off or do you think they're going to fall through, get ninth? I personally think that they just won't. I think the season has been a complete disaster just from top to bottom. But I will say maybe one shining light um, is that Arteta made it pretty clear that this, he basically said it in the press conference that he this whole squad, like he knows like the players that need to be gone and he knows like the culture change that needs to take place. And it's going to take a whole summer to like clear out. He basically said, I'm going to clear out a lot of the garbage. And um, I thought that was very interesting because there were some taught, like there were some Arsenal fans that I follow on Twitter and they actually are not a fan of Arteta. They actually think that Arteta is probably one of the problems of, uh, of his coaching and the players he favors, such as um, they were saying that, um, he kind of favors, you know, play, players like Rob Holding, Pablo Mari, um, you know, Xhaka, uh, you know, some players that um, a lot of Arsenal fans feel like are just not good enough, but Arteta keeps favoring them and starting them in the lineup. But we'll see. I don't know how much financial backing he will get because of COVID and then obviously Arsenal being a part of the proposed Super League, whether they, they will get hit with any financial uh, restrictions. I don't know how much financial leeway they will have in terms of trying to make some more signings and clearing out the squad and stuff. But one thing's for sure, they, there's definitely a lot of players on Arsenal that have just been riding the pine and getting a bunch of paychecks that um, will have a rude awakening this summer, I would say, in terms of <laughs> moving on. Because if Arsenal ever want to move past just being a bottom-of-the-barrel Europa League team, um, they need to, if they want to get back to where they were back when they had Thierry Henry and, you know, Arsene Wenger, they need to clear out a lot of this dead wood at the club and move on and rebuild from that. And even though they've, they've made some pretty good signings here and there, there's still a lot of guys that are just uh, riding the pine and collecting a lot of uh, fat paychecks um, in the North London area. 
I don't know. Is, is Stan Kroenke going to want to spend money? Does I he know. know that's that's the thing. That's the thing where we just don't know how much financial backing Arteta will get. But regardless, I, I think they just got to get rid of some of the, 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 the players that, that are just bad for the environment, for the club. Like you can't have players like Willian splashing like 200K on wages and only having him score one goal um, against a, a relegated West Brom side. Um, I, I think you, you need more production out of these players that you put top dollar for. Like, you know, Manchester United got burned for that a lot during the past um, couple of seasons, but it seems like now they're starting to right the ship a little bit where you have paying big money to Bruno Fernandes, Paul Pogba, you know, Rashford, Cavani, but they're showing up and scoring goals and, you know, performing well. You need your big, you need your big name players that are paid on big wages to show up and Arsenal, unfortunately, it's not been the case. Mm-hmm. And I feel like even with the coaching side as well, for those Arteta haters, they also got to like, you know, bring out the most of some of their big name players like Thomas Partey. Today, he was terrible. Yeah. But he still got the win. And then, you know, Aubameyang here and there. <laughs> he, yeah, Partey flopped at the very <laughs> end of the, the game. the most obvious flop. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Shout out to Richie. That was <laughs> my boy's <laughs> level of flop in one of our <laughs> rec league games back in the day. But literally, like there's been times when you feel like you should get more out of Aubameyang. You get more out of Lacazette. Yeah. And like then Ceballos just, has been like bad. Ceballos, Ceballos has, has been awful <laughs> at, at least, at least recently. And I mean, you just got to get more out of the players. Like certain players, I feel like are getting a lot like, uh, Saka and Emil Smith Rowe, mm-hmm. you know, Martinelli, like certain players like that, but they're all youth players It's like the bar is kind of set low for them and they're kind of just succeeding it. While like the players that have a higher bar, like Aubameyang, like the higher paid players, like Jaka, even like you got to get more out of them. Jaka's kind of doing all right, but you know, I think he's out right now. But you know, there's just little things like that. That's all on the coach, that's on them. So it's going to be a lot to see if they fall out of Europa League for next season. Then it's literally going to be all focused on just getting back into it. And if I remember that Liverpool season where we had nothing to really <laughs> play for besides domestic cups and trying to get back into those kind of leagues, those European leagues is not easy. Cause like no player wants to be in that position. No player wants yeah. to sacrifice a season to be like, all right, I'm not going to be in any of these competitions. That, that, that's what happened to United under first season of Louis van Hall because David Moyes um, failed to qualify for any European call, um, competition. So it was literally all United had were Premier league, FA cup, EFL cup, and that's it. But I will say, I guess it gave them a little bit more firepower and they were able to get back in the Champions League next season. So maybe the lack of Europe could give them that wake up call. Of like, okay, we really got to focus. But yeah, like Tyler said, when he paid big money to like players like Thomas Partey, Aubameyang, um, and you know other players of the same ilk, they want to be playing in Europe or some European competition. So it's a huge miss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, But, you know... <laughs> To transition really quickly into one of our other mentions is that this week, this past week, you know, we've seen the title winner, but we also have seen who's going to get relegated. Yeah, all three are officially toast. So we got Fulham and West Brom officially joining Sheffield United in the toast zone. In the championship. (laughs) In the toaster, the championship. And, you know, we already mentioned that Watford and... Norwich are yeah. going to come straight back up and then probably Norwich is going to go straight back down next season. That's a <laughs> the spoiler yo-yo club, but the yo-yo, yo-yo club. club, but Fulham, you know, Adama Lookman came back to haunt him that Panenka and then West Brom, big Sam's streak of never getting relegated yeah, that, from the top flight. That, ends. That's big. That's big. I feel like that. Uh, <laughs> I feel like the main reason people get Sam Allardyce is because they know that, Hey, this guy can get us out. But I it, the 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 fact that he failed to get West Brom out I think hurts his CV a lot in terms of maybe getting another um you know he's probably not going to get a full-time gig he'll probably get a part-time you know we need a we need to help like we need help literally right now like a emergency band-aid approach manager but it hurts his CV mm-hmm. to know that he got relegated relegation yeah. is now on a CV I mean it didn't really help that he was doing West Brom West Brom was one of the weaker sides as well mm-hmm. uh, they had like Mateus Perea <laughs> And they had Maitland Niles just come in as like a band-aid also to try to help. But it's just throughout the whole season, it's just been so inconsistent. It's just been like there's literally like almost no stars on that team. Yeah. Like there's usually even for the teams that are at the bottom, there's always at least one player you can point to. It's like, oh yes, they have at least they have him. You know, for like Newcastle, it's like, oh, at least they have St. Maxim and Almiron. 
And then for Burnley, it's like, oh, at least they have Tarkovsky, I guess, and Nick Pope, like yeah. something in the defense. But then you think of like West Brom, it's like, well, I guess they have Perea. <laughs> it's like, that's about it. Yeah. They can't really think of any other player. So there they go. And then Fulham. Now it's kind of sad because, you know, Josh Maja, we thought he could pull couldn't some magic, him. some of that documentary cheese right there. <laughs> he couldn't save him. Couldn't save him. And but he's only on loan there, so he's not yeah. going down with them. But it, it was tough because Fulham had the best chance out of both of those clubs of potentially making an escape. And it looked like for maybe for the couple of weeks that they had a chance, but they just could never take advantage and get the wins. I, I think at one point they had the most draws in the Premier League. They just kept drawing and they couldn't pick up yeah, the they couldn't get the wins. And then yeah. at, at 1.2, when Newcastle were really vulnerable, Newcastle saw them like run on their keisters and was like, all right, all right, we got to actually turn up now. They got to uninjured St. Maxim. Just get them on the get them on the bench at least. And then exactly work some magic in the little Samba in there. Yeah. And get the goals. But, you know, I, I got to give some credit to Newcastle. They actually turned up and, you know, they, they escaped relegation with some ease. Mm-hmm. But. And then that kind of cemented Fulham into that relegation. But Brighton, yeah. they kind of got a little, got yeah, a little they, risky over there. Yeah, Brighton was Brighton was falling, but at that point, it, it, the relegation had pretty much become a lock, where it was just going to be really impossible for any of those three teams to get out. But now Brighton have to figure out how are we going to actually um, win some games because they are the they are the kings of the expected goal winners, where they always win in like the expected goal um, statistic at the end of the game. And that basically that that statistic is basically supposed to tell like who is going to be like the likely winner, but it, they always get some cheese at the end of the game where they end up losing. Like I remember the Benteke like volley where he just volleys it across goal, uh, amazing volley. Bruno Fernandez scoring a 90th minute winning penalty. They've just had a lot of bad luck happen um, this season when it comes to calls, and yeah, it was just unfortunate for them. But to, if you had to pick. Um, one of these three teams that got relegated to jump right back up into the Premier League like we saw at Norwich and Watford, who do you think has the best shot? Because for me, I think it's probably Fulham if I had to pick these three clubs. Uh, I would probably say Fulham as well just because West Brom and Sheffield are just so bad. Yeah, Sheffield but, fired Chris Wilder, so now they're going to be like, what do we do now? Yeah, they're they're going to be hovering in purgatory in championship next season. While for West Brom, I don't really see too much in their squad that's really you know stands out it's like all right yeah they're for sure gonna come back from fulham there's a lot dependent on that it's like it's scott parker gonna stay the manager mm-hmm. and are certain players like Ariola and mitrovic actually gonna turn like mitrovic he was supposed to be really good but then he didn't do anything this season he did really well in the championship but one season in the Premier league is like a whole other story and i feel like just those kind of key players for fulham just weren't there and then like Adama Lookman too like they had some good some good plays it's just they couldn't get the wins and I feel like if if those kind of troublemakers kind of stay on the team they have a <laughs> shot of making it back but if they're gone or if like those kind of pieces start to get rearranged or like they get put on the bench or they just get transferred out then I don't think Fulham are coming back up I think there's a lot of other teams that have been on the cusp of getting into the Premier League in the past few seasons like Swansea uh, Brentford and and, you know, at times I think I think even Middlesbrough was in that conversation. But mm-hmm. I think they have a better shot at this point, even if Fulham go down. Yeah. So, I mean, that's my take. But yeah, right I, now I these are pretty clear. Yeah, these are pretty clear three yeah. that should go down. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even it's they're also official. early. Too. They're official. official. Yeah, they're official. Usually officially there's really. at least like one that's like hangs out like in championship yeah. Sunday. There's one scenario. But yeah, I agree with you because West Brom, they're kind of in this crisis mode where they used to have Slavon Bilic, who loves is like that total football manager where he wants to play with the ball, play you know beautiful attacking football. Then they sacked him and got Sam Allardyce, who is the exact opposite of just long ball, play really rough, you know, long ball everything. Now they have to decide: do they want to go back to that style of total football where they play with the ball and everything, or do they just try to be like classic West Brom and just chuck everything with like Tony Pulis and just go? <laughs> you know, long ball everything and try to win that way. But it'll be it'll be interesting to kind of see what um, what happens. But um, I guess looking at sort of like the top four race real quickly, obviously the title winner, Man City, officially champions. There's no doubt about that. Then you have mm-hmm. Manchester United. Then you have Leicester. Or no, then you have Chelsea. Or is it Chelsea then Leicester or is it Leicester and Chelsea? Um, They're flipping around yeah. here and there. But, basically but in the hunt right now. is West Ham, Liverpool, and Tottenham. And I don't know. I... 
I think there's like a, a a puncher's chance for maybe West Ham and Liverpool, but I, I just think there's just too much ground to make up and not enough points to uh, to accomplish like the top four feet for those three clubs. I think they just missed their chances um, towards the end of the season. <sighs> I'm sad. I'm I'm kind of <laughs> sad for West Ham too because we thought like, they could be that dark horse. Yeah, they, they just randomly gets in. They they ruined it, man. They they had a chance, and then they just kept choking it up. <laughs> they literally choked so hard. They just dropped the ball, not even once, not even twice, three times. Like the yeah. past few games, they literally just have not been able to get the wins. They got a little unlucky with some of the calls as well, but man, Messi Lingard couldn't carry. And then also just that, you know, the usual Suchek and Mikhail Antonio watching those games is just kind of sad. It's like, man, they kind of fell back to earth real hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I think West Ham, they're just going to get Europa League from the most. I, I think they have a high chance of getting it. I don't think they're going to fall out of Europa League, but I think they're probably going to end up there. Imagine Europa League with Mikel Antonio, Suchek, like that kind of squad. It would be kind of interesting. David Moyes back in there. Mm-hmm. And then Liverpool, Tottenham. They're in the Champions League last season. They're in that top four race. Pretty, pretty strong contenders. And now here they are hovering in the hunt. But, you know, there's still a decent amount of games left to play. It's like they can't make any mistakes now at this point. Mm-hmm. But, oh gosh, please, Liverpool. My gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think it, it's just been very disappointing to see how Liverpool and Tottenham seasons have like transpired. Obviously, Liverpool, with the excuse of the injuries, Tottenham have just been a disaster show since they won 6-1 against United or when, since they went top of the table, um, I think shortly after that. Since then, they've just been absolutely awful. And mm-hmm. it's just been an absolutely terrible way to end the season for them. I don't know. We'll see, but we'll see what happens. But I, I just no. think right now the way the top four is shaped up, I think it's just hard to see another team break in there because it's going to really require Leicester or Chelsea to really screw things up at the end. Mm-hmm. And then for those other teams in the hunt to not make any more mistakes. <laughs> yeah. Knows, maybe Dreadlock and Dele Alli could maybe. work some magic for Tottenham. Maybe. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But um, there are a couple of big matches that are happening um, this weekend and going into next game week real quickly. That's where we're moving on to the preview section. But I guess we'll save like the biggest one that is coming up this weekend for the end. But uh, Brighton, West Ham coming on next game week. Kind of a weird one to pick out, but does have some implications because um, West Ham are trying to fight for that top four spot. But uh, I think um, I think they would actually pick up the victory here. I think it's going to be 2-1, but... Uh, I think they can still pick up the victory because I think they, they should be able to beat Brighton. They should. They should. But that's the thing. Like in this past <laughs> few games, they should be winning these other games, but they don't do it. They don't do it. I'm going to say 1-1. I okay. think it's going to be a scrappy game because, you know, Brian, as you said, too, it's like they're a decent side that just get really unlucky. And mm-hmm. I feel like some their unlucky streak will eventually break. It's kind of like when I was saying how Liverpool is really hard to keep a losing streak alive. Any kind of streak alive is kind of hard. And right now, I feel like Brighton are on, are on a unlucky streak. And with this game, West Ham not really in the best form. And Brighton really, really have nothing else to play for at this point, just pride. So I think they can put a game up for it. You know, have a good afternoon some other time. I think sometime, even, I don't even know when this game is. I just know it's next week. Yeah. But <laughs> I think it'll be a 1 1. And then yeah. West Ham drop more points. Dang, West Ham dropping points. I got 2 1. But then um, the next. I guess Premier League game, which we'll be skipping um, this coming match match day, but it will be on match day 37, is Chelsea and Leicester in the Premier League. And this one's going to be very interesting because this weekend, Chelsea and Leicester are actually meeting up in the FA Cup final. But um, the week after that, they will be facing each other in the Premier League on a Tuesday matchup. And this one will be interesting because depending on the result of the FA Cup final, I guess we'll determine how these two teams roll out. But both these teams are fighting to solidify themselves in the Champions League spots. And because of that, I think um, I think this game will actually be a stalemate where I think he'll probably finish uh, 1-1 because I think both teams may, might be in a position where they're too afraid to lose, but they know that they have to at least go for the win. So I think I'm going 1-1. I feel like whoever wins the FA Cup final will lose the Premier League game because... <laughs> Whoever wins is going to be hungover. I think especially if Leicester win, they're going to be like, nah, I'm... I'm, I'm Just drop I'm all like, points for the rest of the season. They're like, we did it. He's like, I'm good. We we got the dub. We, <laughs> Leicester wins their first FA Cup ever in history after failed four attempts. But 
I think for this, I don't know. I don't want to sneak too much into my prediction for like the FA Cup final, which we're going to do, but (laughs) (laughs) for the Premier League, at least they have a lot to play for those two teams and they really can't afford to even drop points in this game too. Cause you know, hypothetically Chelsea could lose out and the other teams are in the hunt could win out and then send them into you know, fifth or sixth place. Yeah. And they could theoretically also lose that pickup final and lose the Champions League final and come out with nothing. Yeah. And end up in Europa League next season, which would be hilarious. But I don't think it's going to happen. I feel like they're going to at least get one of those three, at least one. And for me, for this one, I think Chelsea also have a little bit more depth and a lot more momentum despite this loss against Arsenal. Uh, in the Premier League, at least they, they're a little scrappy today, but I think Chelsea can probably slide through and get a two-one against oh, Leicester. Two-one okay. yeah. win. I'm going one-one draw. But finally, we have the FA Cup final this weekend. It's going to be a really big matchup. I feel like it's just kind of sneakily come up against us because of all everything else that's happening. But Chelsea are now in two finals with FA Cup final and Champions League final. But it's a big, 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 big um, tournament for both clubs because it's a chance to win some big silverware because I think the last time Chelsea won a trophy was actually um, the second year uh, under Conte when they won the FA Cup. I think that's like the last time they won a trophy. And it's a big result for them because they, they've historically done pretty well in the FA Cup. But Leicester, you know, as Tyler said, could be a chance to, for them to win their first FA Cup in their club history. And... I think if I have to give the manager experience, I think I'd give Tuchel the the ex, like the the leg up when it comes to the managers. But I feel like with Leicester's young squad, they're going to be fired up. Jamie Vardy's going to be fired up. Ian Nacho has been performing well. I actually think uh, I think Leicester um, can win this one two one. But I think it will probably go to extra time and they pick up a two one victory in extra time. Ooh, you're going to say Vardy's going to have a party? <laughs> yeah, I think Vardy's I'm finally going to have a party again. <laughs> I'm rooting for Leicester as well. I feel like it's about time, you know, Brendan Rodgers, despite being ex-Liverpool, I think he has a lot of momentum going in this with that result against Man U. They didn't like both teams, you know, this past week have not really played the best. But I think with Leicester having less things to really play for besides, you know, Chelsea, Chelsea also have like the Champions League just on their minds as well. That Mm -hmm. final. I think Leicester really are like, all right, this is our chance to make history again. We've we've done it before, and we're you know we're a younger squad, we're slightly different, but we still have Caster Schmeichel behind us, going to be yelling at us. We still got this big opportunity to make history and get finally FA Cup into the trophy cabinet. So I think with that kind of belief and the fact that I feel like more of the Leicester players have played together than the Chelsea squad because most of the Chelsea squad, at least in the front, this is like their first season together still. Yeah. And it's like, this is the first time playing in a final. And I feel like in kind of big games like this, chemistry kind of plays a bigger part than a team with just a lot of good players. Because, you know, you kind of want to be able to cover each other's back and like you kind of want to be in sync the whole time because there's going to be a lot of nerves. There's going to be no fans. There could be a lot or there should be limited fans. But, you know, there's going to be a lot of nerves. Yeah. So I think it's going to be Leicester, as you said, as well with the win. But I'm going to say one nil. Oh, okay. Ooh, oh, the one nil. That's gonna be nervy. I'm going two one. He's going one nil. It's gonna be nervy. And I think it's. <laughs> I it will also go to extra time. Okay, so we're both calling some some good extra yeah. time footy on this one. So I'm I'm going two one. He's going one nil. I don't know. I'm hoping for a good game because I I agree with you. It'd be really cool to see the Foxes um, win FA Cup. It kind of be a kind of a good remembrance of their underdog win to win the Premier League title um, not too long ago. So it'd be cool to Mm -hmm. see a team like Leicester win the FA Cup, especially when we're so used to seeing City or some of the other big teams just consistently win it all the time. So I'm excited. I'm I'm excited to see what happens. But uh, yeah, that kind of wraps up uh, episode 117 for us. As we always say, you can give us a follow at at the Premier Pod. You can follow us Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. You can send us DMs, um, any questions or topics you would like us like for us to discuss. We'll definitely um, we'll definitely read them and uh, give them a give them a recommendation. And you know you can also sub- subscribe to us at the Premier Pod on YouTube and get the video versions of this podcast. And if you're listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, it will uh, we greatly appreciate it if you could leave a rating or review. Um, it helps us out in terms of getting us noticed to more people and having the podcast seen. Um, to more people. But as we always say, 
if um, if you don't want to leave a rating, that's totally fine. Just taking the time to listen is more than enough. But if you have a friend that is interested in soccer, if anyone you know would be interested in any of the things we talk about, um, feel free to share the podcast with them. That is uh, more than enough, and that's definitely very much appreciated. So any any sharing or any promotion that you want to do for us, we definitely appreciate it. But um, other than that, we we uh, that kind of wraps up season three, episode one seventeen for us. Thank you guys so much for listening. Yeah, thank you guys. Peace. Peace.